Yes, yes. Well, hello. Man, it's so good to be here with you in person and hi to everyone online. As they said, my name is Rachel. A lot of the times you'll see me back there playing drums, but today I have a mic, so watch out. <laughs> um, if I haven't met you, here are a few quick facts about me. Uh, I grew up in Texas and then moved to Duluth in 2014. I have a slight phobia of eyeballs, and I'm showing you that I trust you by telling you this. Don't make me regret it, please. Um, and then I also recently have gotten into doing word searches at night. It's very calming, very relaxing. I, I, would, I would recommend it. Um, but more importantly, I'm here on staff as one of our uh, worship pastors, and I'm so honored to be sharing with you guys today. Okay, so in the world we live in, it can be super easy to become divided, right? Simple, small things like, what's the most efficient car? Who's the best superhero? It's Iron Man. Um, how do you pronounce Worcestershire? So that's a big one. Or, uh, oh, it's already there. What color is this dress? Wow, what a dress. Look at it. Okay, participation time. Wake up, it's time. Uh, if you see the colors gold and white, raise your hand. Oh, okay, yes, yes, we got some hands. All right, if you see the colors black and blue, raise your hands. Ah, okay, all right. Well, you know what? We, see, we, we saw some differences there. We saw some differences. And you know this might seem trivial, and it is, uh, but in 2015, this thing took the world by storm. There were all-out campaigns about what the right color of this dress was. Man, friendships were like, um, the trust was fractured in them because they're like, there is no way you're seeing a different color right there. You have to be tricking me. And the reality is, the actual colors of this dress are indeed black and blue. Um, but our brains, we perceive color differently. And so sometimes when it's a grainy picture or the shadows are weird, our brain just fills in the information and says, this is the colors. Um, and I think that's actually really cool that God has created us so uniquely and wired us so differently that we can see different colors on a silly little dress like this. So those are some smaller, trivial kind of issues we can get divided on. What about larger issues, right? What is the right political party to choose? No. What is the right way to parent my children? Uh, how do I live in a global pandemic? No. These issues can and do hit home close for a lot of us. I'm sure in the last few years, you've either experienced or seen relationships crumble over issues like these. You know, I know I have. So then, what unites us? What keeps us united even when we disagree on who serves the best cup of coffee, Starbucks or Caribou? What is the love that keeps us bonded when the world is screaming at us to turn against one another? How do we seek truth and knowledge? And if we had someone with all the answers, all the knowledge and wisdom, wouldn't most of these differences just disappear? What does Jesus have to say about this? And how does the answers to questions like this help us see Jesus and see how he's bringing us to life? And so today, we're going to take a deeper look into Colossians. I'm going to continue our series, which is aptly named, Jesus, Bring Us to Life. Uh, specifically, we're looking at Colossians 2, verses 1 through 5. But before we read that, let's pray. So, Holy Spirit, come. We just invite you to come closer. 
God, thank you that you are a God who loves us radically. And I pray today that each and every one of us receive and feel that love. Would you show us who you've made us to be, who you've called us to be, Lord? Amen. All right, let's turn our Bibles or devices to Colossians 2, 1 through 5. Paul writes this. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for all of those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. I love how this passage starts off. It's basically Paul saying, hey, I'm your biggest cheerleader. Let's go. he's, He's writing to the people of Colossae not only with a passion, but with a deep sense of hope for these people. People he hasn't even met. And he's doing this while he's in prison. You know, he's calling folks deeper into the kingdom of God while fighting his very own, very real battles. So think about your own life for a moment. Have you ever had someone that's absolutely in your corner cheering you on? When I first moved to Duluth, I started meeting with someone two to three times a month, and they just sat with me and listened to me. They consistently pointed me to Jesus. They consistently prayed for me. I knew I could go to them at any time with anything, and I did, for like six years. Have you ever had someone like that? Maybe it's a small group leader or pastor. Maybe it's a supervisor or a good friend. Maybe it was when you were growing up and you had a coach that was just there on the sidelines cheering you on, score, goal, sports. Um, right? (laughs) Oh, coaches, they're good. And this is what Paul is doing for this group of people that he hasn't even met. He is encouraging them in the radical love of Jesus. And for me, knowing where Paul is coming from makes me all the more invested in what he's saying. And Paul is saying, he's saying a lot. Uh, So let's let's break it down, okay? Verse 2, it says this. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So when Paul talks about love, he's not talking about the cheesy, flimsy love you see on 99-cent cards for Valentine's Day, right? He's talking about the kind of love that would and did give everything, a love that is bigger than any of us. It's the love of God. That kind of love sent his son to die for us so that we may be fully alive. The love is Jesus. We talked about how easily we can get divided. So how do we unite in that kind of love? And what does that actually look like? So a few weeks ago, I returned from a mission trip with one of our pastors, Casey, and we went to two different countries. We went to Azerbaijan and Turkey. And uh, in, in the city of Baku, which is in Azerbaijan, I attended a women's conference. 
And primarily the women there were from Azerbaijan, but there were also women from Turkey, from Armenia, from Romania, from Germany, and including me and Casey, that is six nations. That's six different countries with six different native tongues. That alone is crazy to think about. But you guys, when I tell you that worshiping with these like 250 women absolutely blew my socks off, I'm not kidding. We raised our hands together. We cried together. We hugged sincerely. And we couldn't communicate with each other very well, if at all. And we didn't know anything about the other person. But what we did know is that it was the love of Jesus that brought us into that room. It was the love of Jesus that we were singing about. It was the love of Jesus that was actively bringing that room to life and bringing us to life. As I've shared this story, I've said it felt like I was getting a glimpse of what heaven would look like. In Revelation 5, it reads this. It says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. It was as if I was getting a sneak peek in Baku of that passage. That right there felt like the kingdom breaking through. As we stood for Jesus, he met us there. He brought us together. He made strangers family. That is unity and love. So what about unity when we suffer? When life just isn't going as we expected or as we had hoped. Uh, as many of you know, we're walking through a, a tremendously difficult and heartbreaking season. You know, one of our former pastoral assistants has accusation, accusations against him, as well as our former senior pastors. We're in the middle of an investigation. And if you want to know more information about that, we have a ton of information on our website. You can go and check that out. But I actually want to read you an email that was sent to us. Um, a couple months ago, it was from a reverend here at a church in the Twin Ports community. And, and here's what it said. Even though we may differ on Christian theology and specific beliefs, we want you to know that we care. And our hearts and prayers go out for you. If there's anything we can do to ease the burden, please let us know. Friends, that is a beautiful picture of unity and love in the body of Christ. What they did in that email was lay aside differences and, and say yes to the love Jesus is calling them to, that, that he's calling us to. And that is exactly what Paul is pointing to. That is unity and love. This is the unity and love that we are invited to participate in. Jesus himself prayed for us to be united. In John 17, he says this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Do you see the chain reaction happening there? God gave Jesus his glory that Jesus has then given us. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. We are called to be a people in complete unity. To be the body of Christ so the world will know the all-encompassing love of God. And Paul is echoing the prayers of Jesus in Colossians, right? We may be one through the love of God in Christ. That we will know the truth in that love. That we may be brought to complete unity. And as we come together, the world will know Jesus. So where are places in your life where you might feel disconnected from and maybe even divided against others? What are relationships you could insert some love and grace into? One way of pressing into this is actually by worshiping. As we sing together, we are singing with one voice to the King of Kings. We are uniting in love. And God, he shapes and molds our hearts as we worship him. And you actually can try that out again today. We worshiped at the top of the service and we're gonna worship again at the end. And I invite you to engage. Just try it out, see what happens. Another way is to join a small group. Rub shoulders with folks in our community. Learn a fact about each and every person in your small group. Pray for the members of your group. Heck, even make them a snack. And if you're really brave, go and join a small group where you don't know anybody. Right? Invite Jesus to, for him to give you his heart for strangers. Okay, how about this? Think of someone you're at odds with right now, or maybe even just a little bit annoyed. Come on, we, we, all, have, we all have someone. <laughs> This week, do something kind for them. DoorDash them their favorite meal. Leave flowers on their porch. Offer to babysit their kids so they can have a night out. And as you do these things or anything else you come up with, pray for them. I think you might actually be surprised at how these simple acts of kindness can make all the difference. How this is a step towards unity and love. All right, let's look at the second part of verse two and three. It says this, that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All right, so we talked about uniting in love, and as we do that, we are given full riches of complete understanding. Paul is saying that the mystery of God is found in Christ, who is the holder of all treasure and wisdom and knowledge. And I love how Paul specifically uses the words riches and treasure. He is conveying the value and the importance of Jesus's wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is all-knowing, and we have access to Jesus, the knower of all things. Man, you think Google is good? Try hitting up Jesus. And he is better than any search engine, any encyclopedia. He's even better than ChatGPT. 
and guaranteed to be more accurate too. In all seriousness, in our day and age, we have access to so much information, right? More so than any other time in history. And I wonder, I wonder how that has diluted our reliance on the wisdom and knowledge of God. God, the creator of all things, and the creator of all things is the knower of all things. How easy is it to run to the internet when we start to get scared, right? Is this a new freckle? What does it mean? How much time do I have? Uh, what are the five ways to be a better spouse? Okay. Um, am I all alone in this world? Okay. How many likes can I get on this picture of my gourmet mac and cheese? And how many likes will it take for me to feel seen? So what if, what if, we took a second before sprinting to the internet and invite Jesus into that moment. Invite the holder of all treasure and wisdom and knowledge into what we are searching for. Because Jesus, he's the key. He is the ultimate answer. As we love each other, we can absolutely experience the all-knowing Jesus. Okay, but how do we really access the all-knowing Jesus? Is there a website? Do we have a QR code? No, no. Okay, but it, lucky for us, it's spelled out right in this passage. The more we come together in love, the more we get a glimpse of the mystery of God. And we can't have one without the other. We need to love each other to know God. And as we know God, we learn to love each other on a deeper level. You know, the two of these things, they build off of each other. They're intricately woven together. Very intentionally, I might add. This is one of the ways God is getting our heads and our hearts to connect. So how do we come together in love? We model the self-sacrificial love we see in Jesus. We love each other even when it's inconvenient. When I was on my mission trip, I was gone for a couple of weeks, and I asked my best friend uh, to water my houseplants. She has a green thumb. She can keep anything alive. I knew that they would be in good hands. Um, but while I was gone, not only did she water my plants, she cleaned my entire house. And I'm not just talking about a quick vacuum and dishwasher run. No. You guys, okay, who here has a closet of shame? It's a, ah, there we go. If you don't know what a closet of shame is, A, good for you. Um, B, it's kind of like a drunk drawer, but an entire closet. Okay, so I had about three of those, and she organized and cleaned them all. She threw away the garbage, she put everything into place. She washed my dirty laundry and folded them and put it away. You guys, she weeded my garden. This was no small task. And it was not an expectation on my part. She has her own home and life to attend to. But to show me love, she laid down her other priorities for this. No questions asked. She had nothing to gain. That is self-sacrificial love. That is showing up for community without even being asked. And I felt the love of Jesus in that act of service. I feel like I know Jesus better from that act of service. 
And there are so many practical ways to engage in self-sacrificial love. We can give away uh, to each other our time, our energy, our attention, our gifts, and give them away freely. For you, maybe it could be serving in our food shelf that we talked about during announcements, Fruit of the Vine. And that's where uh, we not only provide food for people who can't afford it, we spend time with people. You know, we look them in the eyes and say, I see you. We pray for them. You guys, this is a huge deal. This is being the hands and feet of Jesus. This is showing up in love. You constantly see Jesus going out of his way to spend time with the lost, the last, the least. Jesus is bringing life to those in need. And if we want to know, to understand Jesus' compassion for us, try serving the poor. Or perhaps you might serve with our kids' team. Jesus said, let them come to me when talking about children. Giving our attention and care to little ones is massively important. It's making place for kids in the kingdom of God. It's uniting all ages in love. Jesus is making a place for all people, no matter the age. Jesus is bringing life to children. And if we want to know and understand Jesus' love for everyone, even us, try serving kids. Okay, how about serving the Twin Ports community? Serving folks outside of these walls. Folks you don't know and folks you may never see again. The folks that you could fundamentally just disagree with. This is what unity looks like. Serving our neighbors out of the love Jesus has given us. Jesus commands us to go, to spread the gospel. Jesus is bringing life to this community, to all communities. And if we want to know, to understand Jesus' mission and our role in that, try serving our community. Where might God be calling you to love sacrificially? What could that look like in this specific phase of your life? I think God has a step for each and every one of us today in this room. And outside of this room, online folks, you are not off the hook. Okay, this passage, it also talks about the mystery of God, which is mysterious. Take God's love, for example. It's baffling. He loves us. He loves us. No strings attached. He loves us enough to send his son to us, to let his son be killed for our sins. That kind of love is baffling to us humans. We can't, we can't quite wrap our heads around it. And yet, Paul says that the answer to the mystery is found in Christ. Another mystery can be the Bible, right? It's a book that's alive. How crazy is that, honestly? Like, when I was growing up, I had a lot of night terrors and just a lot of fear and anxiety around sleeping. And I was waking up my parents constantly, all of the time. And so eventually, they actually started pointing me towards the Bible, specifically Psalm 91. And I would read that over and over and over again. 
As time passed and I would feel that fear start to rise up, I'm gonna have another episode, I would open up my Bible and read out loud Psalm 91. And I would instantly feel the peace of God with me in that room. I I was reminded that God cared for me, that God had me in the palm of his hand. Pages from a book did that. An anointed and holy book, but man, that's still, that's crazy, that's a mystery. But that is a mystery and a gift that we have access to. Folks, sometimes we find mysteries to be a little scary. It's unknown or unclear. For some of us, it might intrigue or excite us. And others, we just want to steer clear. Nope, not for me. Some of us want to buckle down and find all of the answers and find all of the solutions. Some of us, we might make up our own answers to calm our own anxieties. But the way to solve this mystery is for us to love. As we give out that love and experience that love, God not only begins to shape us, but he unites us. He is revealing himself to us. We begin to know the love of God, which is beginning to know the mystery of Jesus. And Jesus gives us all wisdom and knowledge. And you know what? Sometimes loving each other is straight up terrifying. We humans, we hurt each other. We will get hurt. It will happen. We humans think differently from each other, right? What color is the dress? We can't read each other's minds or predict the future. Fear and anxiety can actually isolate us from each other if we let it. And so let me read you this quote from James Bryan Smith. He's the author of The Good and Beautiful Community. It says this, perfect love casts out fear because the kingdom is never in trouble. The gates of hell will not be shaken by correct doctrine, but by the passionate hearts of men and women who have let go of their fears and move forward in confidence that Christ is the Lord. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess it to be true. At the core of our fear is the desire to control. Exclusion allows us the feeling that we are safe. We have kept false teachers out. We have cast out of the fellowship the wolves in sheep's clothing, and all is well. Insistence on doctrinal correctness is often the smokescreen that hides a deeper problem. Our insecurity that all will crumble if we don't get everything right. So let that sink in for a moment. Perfect love casts out fear because the kingdom is never in trouble. The kingdom is never in trouble. Jesus is there and he has all of the answers. Fear is a sneaky thing. I think sometimes we we respond and react to fear without even knowing what is happening. And I wonder how often that fear has built up walls in us. How fear has labeled some people as other, or even as less than. How that fear has maybe told us to completely cut people out of our lives. We don't want want any association with them. This is the opposite of unity. Friends, the love of Jesus is the cure to fear. 
When we let that love truly shape and form us, we are changed. We can love across our differences. We can love when people let us down. And as we show radical love, we know our God even more. Again, we may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And let me also be very clear. Theology and doctrine are very important. I'm not saying to throw those things out and not care about your beliefs or theology. What I am saying is that we can hold on those things and we can also love. We can lead with love first. In Matthew 22, Jesus, when asked which commandment is the greatest law, said this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who are you being called to love? How might you lead with love? Paul's invitation to the Colossians, to us, is that they, we, may come to life together through love and have the treasure of complete wisdom and knowledge to have Jesus. And, and that we are so deeply rooted in Jesus, as verse four says, no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. If we have no fear, then these fine-sounding arguments, they hold no weight in our lives. If we stand together and love each other, we will know and experience the all-knowing Jesus. And that is the truth that we trust in. That is the truth we believe in. Well, we talked about it earlier today and have for the last few weekends, but one of the, one of the big three values that we're focusing on this summer is community. And I wonder how this passage can be lived out in our community. Right here, right now. So today, a lot of you may be drinking out of these, these fine mugs. And they say, love God, love people, period. This is who we are. We are a church that loves. End of story. We are a church that brings unity through loving each other through loving our family, our friends, through loving our enemies, through loving the stranger and impoverished, and even loving those we disagree with. We're loving folks at their highest of highs and when they hit their lowest of lows. Doing this in big or even small ways, it is bringing the kingdom of God. It is portraying unity in a world that is oh so fractured and oh so broken. And we receive, we receive the greatest treasure of all, access to Jesus, to full and complete knowledge and wisdom. That Jesus, the one that has wisdom and knowledge, is bringing us to life. So what we're going to do now is we're, we're going to engage with Jesus. We're going to engage with the Holy Spirit. And so we will be moving into a time of ministry, and that's when we leave, we leave space for the Holy Spirit to say, come. 
We worship together. We pray for each other. And so if you guys want to stand with me, um, I would love that. And if you are on the ministry team or prayer team, could you just start making your way up now, actually? As I was preparing for this week, I felt like I had a few different specific things God was highlighting to me. Okay? And so I'm going to talk about them. And if you feel like this is you, don't wait. Actually, come up right now and get prayer. God has some really good things for you. And so the first thing I want to talk about is I feel like there's some of us in this room that have been really hurt by relationships who feel like loving others is too risky. Or you've been hurt in relationships and you might have even been hurt by this community. And I feel like God is saying He sees you, and he wants to be with you in that. He wants to show you what love actually looks like. He wants to show you the radical, life-changing love of Jesus. And so if you feel like like that's you, I just encourage you to make your way up. Another thing is I think there might be folks in this room who haven't, actually experience the love of God. Who, like, when you heard me talking about it, like, oh, okay, but you haven't felt it for yourself. You may have seen it in others, and you, you want to know that. And friends, God wants to show you that love, like, right now. And maybe you have experienced it in the past, but it feels far away or distant. He wants to renew that in you. Another thing is, I think there's folks of us, there's, there's some of us folks here that even earlier in this message, you felt this nudge to be someone that brings unity to broken places. Someone to bring the love of Jesus to any place they go to. And you know, that might be family circles, it might be friendships, it might be your bowling team but you feel called to bring unity. And God blesses that. So come and get prayer. Lastly, I believe that God wants to break the power of fear on us. I think there's some of us that maybe even without knowing it have been held down by fear. Maybe fear of not having the right answers and fear of things crumbling. Fear of loving people with our whole hearts. God wants to bring freedom to you today, like right here and right now. So if you're feeling that, if you're feeling any of those things, I invite you to come up. You know, these folks have been uh, trained to pray for you. And I actually want to pray over all of us. So Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for your presence here. And I ask for more of it. God, would you pour out your love on us? God, would you break fear in us? We respond to you, Jesus. Respond to you. Yeah. 
So again, I invite you to come up, get prayer, stay engaged with worship. And folks, you can get prayer about anything. It doesn't have to be the things I mentioned. We're here for you. Let's continue to worship, and thank you for coming to the vineyard.